everybody. Welcome back to iHealth Radio, the David Meyer Show. I'm your host, David Meyer, sports performance physical therapist. Joe here. We are going to talk about some really, really important concepts today. One being confidence, which is a huge, huge, huge thing to talk about, whether you're an athlete, you're a developing professional. And the second thing we're going to talk about, we're actually going to talk about this part first, is reimagining our healthcare system. And I'll tell you what inspired that. But first, I want to thank again, Hurricane H for having me come on live to iHealth Radio. We are going live every Tuesday and Thursday, Tuesdays at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time and Thursdays at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Here we are. We're rocking and rolling. And please follow me on Instagram, Dave M. Meyer. That is D-A-V-E-M. M-E-Y-E-R, and make sure you give a follow to iHealth Radio USA. You can find the app on your Android or Apple device by just typing in iHealth Radio USA, and you can listen in. The shows will come on again throughout the week. So let's get into our next session, which is going to be, as I mentioned, all about confidence and reimagining our healthcare system. And so let's talk about what inspired me to really use this as a topic, reimagining our healthcare system. So I actually, this weekend, went to the MoMA in New York City, the Museum of Modern Art, which is an unbelievable museum. It's the second most Instagrammed museum in the world. The, the Louvre is first, and we got MoMA second. And it was my first time going, my fiance's birthday. Shout out to Olya. Happy 31st. And we had an amazing time. And I want to talk about the exhibit that inspired me to talk about reimagining our healthcare system. It's their current exhibit, their special exhibit is called Reconstructions, Architecture and Blackness in America. And it's an amazing exhibit. I really encourage everybody out there to check it out. It's really unbelievable. The art is showing, or the artists are showing what they reimagined civil uh, or urban development to look like in the future in New York City. There was a really cool picture. Maybe I'll post it up where they showed how the, the, the subway system would work and infusing different cultures together and how climate change and all of that stuff will be impacted by urban development or vice versa. And I was looking at these pictures. I was blown away. They were showing little drones that were going to drop the packages. And I thought it was unbelievable how art can be such a, an innovative thing really too, and an inspiration for change. And as I'm looking at all these different exhibits that were unbelievable, looking at different cities in the country of Chicago, Atlanta, New York City, where a lot of change is needed, I thought about the same being the case for our healthcare system, Right. There's so much change that's needed on the horizon. And it takes that innovative, artistic mind, not always that Western science-based mind. And I was blown away by this. I really was dead in my tracks. I'm like, we need to think the same way in healthcare. So I'm bringing it to you on iHealth Radio. This is our first topic. We're going to go into it. I want to actually note that we have some questions coming in now, and we're going to leave some time to answer those. So I encourage all of you to get involved by getting on these live feeds on Facebook, on the iHealth Radio Facebook page and on the YouTube page. Hurricane will be watching out for your questions, but right now we have a few that will, or at least one that we'll get to, and we'll have more in the future for sure. So let's kick this off. 
reimagining our healthcare system. So where does my mind go first? The first place my mind goes is the fact that modern medicine is really in its infancy, right? When we think about medicine, how long has it been around for? Maybe 150 years we're talking about. Don't quote me on the number, but we're not talking about a very long time in the grand scheme of things. And so with that being the case, there's a lot of change that's necessary. We're just figuring this out. And that's not to belittle the amazing things we're seeing happen in front of us, right? Developing vaccines in, in the matter of 12 months for a very, very serious pandemic that's changed the world. I mean, that is no small feat. But we're still in our infancy. And I think the area that I want to talk about our infancy is how we view healthcare. Now, I'm a sports physical therapist, so I've worked with a lot of athletes. I've worked with people that have chronically, chronic physical limitations. But of course, people that are medically unwell, chronically ill. You've heard me talk about my father on the introductory episodes and his chronic kidney disease that affected his, his, you know, his life in many ways and me seeing that. So I realized as a clinician that we don't really empower our patients to the best of our abilities. What do I mean by that? Well, first of all, we call them patients. They're not clients, right? They're patients. So automatically, we're deeming them to be unwell and in need of being fixed. And they come into our offices. And all of a sudden, it's, it's a, such a, it's an imbalance of power, right? And I think that's the first thing. And I talk about that in my book, Injured to Elite. Guide to Empowering Yourself to Transform Your Life After Injury, which you can check out on Amazon. And I really walk people through a physical challenge, but really it goes beyond that to any mental challenge, an illness, relationship issues, social issues, whatever. And the first thing I talk about is, is really acknowledging the state you're in and also taking ownership, taking the driver's seat, as I like to say. Because if you're not in control of your health care, if you're not the one in charge of your care, then you're never going to get to your fullest potential because another human, whether they're the top brain surgeon in the world, they're not you. Healthcare in general, the, the job of healthcare in general should be to empower that individual to be at their best and you know find what's best within them because there's always going to be a limitation, even if I'm the smartest person in the world and I know how to do the, the specific treatment for somebody, I will not be able to be that individual to tap into their fullest ability to heal through their mind, through the power of thought, which we'll talk much, you know, much more about in other episodes. So I think the first thing in reimagining this healthcare, my canvas, what it looks like for me is the doctor is now the patient. The doctor is now you. We need to do a better job at teaching you to be us or what we know. And that's where content is unbelievable. There is such an amazing ability that we now possess to empower you with content and learning mediums through even something like this, iHealth Radio, to empower you, teach you what you need to know. You don't have to have a physics background or a chemistry background or a medical degree that, that we all, you know, we, we idolize. It's not about that. What it's about is 
learning how to synthesize that information in a way where that makes sense to your life. So our first thing of, of how we see this new canvas of healthcare, it needs to be seeing that switch, right? To the people. The people are in charge, you're in charge, you're the doctor. It doesn't mean that you don't consult with a, a physician, sure. They're part of your team. One of the chapters in my book is building your performance team and conversations with professionals. These are two different chapters, which are very important. It walks you through how to have a meaningful conversation where that can lead to your empowerment by, search, by seeking out certain keywords they use, the Latin jargon, especially. Whenever you hear them talking in, in Latin terms, you know to write that down and to look it up. And learning how to do better reviews of the information instead of just doctor Googling everything. There's better ways. There's free resources, pubmed.gov. That's what us professionals use. Why can't you? Sure you can. But we have to do a better job at empowering you to do so. So that's how that's one of the main things I see to start. I think the next thing we need to just put a stake in the ground with is this whole idea of fixing all of you. I, I forgot who shared this on my podcast, but somebody said something about being, everybody's your own unique ray of sunshine, right? Even people that are the illest of ill, they have some faculty still in them that is still a beautiful shining energy. But if we always place that on, I need to fix this sick person, rather than uplifting what's already great within them that can maybe even heal them, we should be focusing on that. Less fixing, more empowering, more self-healing. The magic red button panda epidemic, I'll call it. Everybody has a magic red button. My child has ADHD and needs to be put on meds because they're not focusing because their, their teacher is not engaging with them well. That was me, by the way. Or I have pain, I need to be put on an anti-inflammatory versus maybe you need to modify your load in the gym. I think we need to change this. Help me. Help me do it. Help me change this whole paradigm of how we view healthcare because it's going to take an army. And that's one of my inspirations to being here with all of you and not just being in a clinic because I can do that if I wanted to, but I know even if my, po my pockets will appreciate me just working, slaving away in the clinic, I'm not going to be able to change the paradigm that way. I need all of your help. This, this shift in mindset of how we view it. So stop fixing, start healing. It's something that I, when I was working with the Cardinals, I was really just starting to tap into. The players would come in with elbow injuries, They'd come in with whatever injury. And a lot of times the job was get them back. Just fix them and get it back. When are they going to be ready? And so whenever I was asked that, when are they going to be ready? I would tell the front office sometimes, all I could be is wrong. They're going to come back sooner or later than I say. I don't have any, a magic eight ball. And I'm not the person. I'm not that athlete. But... I learned after three years, the, 
missing link was their mindset, their thoughts, and helping them to leverage that injury as an opportunity for, for growth or as one of my colleagues, Jason Holzer, calls it post-traumatic growth. Amazing story. Jason's father committed suicide and Jason went on, was inspired to help prevent suicide and has brought in a lot of education to it, medical first aid or suicide prevention first aid. We should all be trained on that. That's the type of stuff. That's the future of healthcare I see. Everybody gets a class like that, just like a CPR course. These little things of why don't we do them? And if, you're, if you hear yourself saying that, maybe you're a student, why aren't we doing that? Well, maybe you're the one to do it. So reach out to me. You can email me, Dave M. Meyer, D-A-V-E-M-M-E-Y-E, or sorry, D-A-V-E-M-E-Y-E-R at plperform.com. Tell me what you want to see change. I'd love to hear from you. Instagram, DM me, Dave M. Meyer. Hit us up on Facebook right now. Hit up Hurricane. He'll, he'll let me know. But this is such an important conversation, and we need to continue. This is just the beginning of it. And so the next thing my mind goes to is innovative models of care. We used to think virtual was crazy. I started an app in 2012 called Video Hab, and the whole idea was you video an exercise, you upload it to a server, and it was the video of the patient or the client themselves doing the exercise. I got to catch myself. I'm going to start calling clients. I've already tried to fully commit to that, but I, I forget. And when I was talking to therapists about this idea, a lot of them were like, where, where is the database of exercises? And I said, no, no, no. You're going to be able to take the video of your patient doing the, or your client, hello, Dave, of that unique exercise movement, add in what you, this descriptors are, the instructions. And they thought I was a little crazy. Why do I want that? I have the exercise sheet. I could just print it out, you know, like a plastic fork or a knife at a takeout restaurant. Just take that at home and maybe you'll do it. And I was convinced we can give more through video. And now you look at one of the innovative models of care is telehealth, virtual. And a lot of people are still scared of it. Do we embrace this or do we just get past COVID and go back to in person and forget that we ever had telehealth and just minimize it. I think that would be a shame if we did that. So many more people could be helped. Such an issue is accessibility and telehealth lit literally can solve that. We can remote into anywhere that has Wi-Fi. getting Wi-Fi to everywhere in the world. That's probably a different issue and, and, and need. And I'm sure there are people working on that. So some of the things I've learned through virtual services, one of the amazing benefits, it increases the, the onus on the client to do the work. You're not going to get better through this screen if you're just relying on Dave to give you a massage. And you wouldn't get better in person anyway, if that was the case. It's funny. The first thing a lot of people say when you're a physical therapist is, oh, so you give good massages. <laughs> Ask my fiance. She'll tell you she's gotten a lot of painful massages. <laughs> so it increases the level of activity on the the, the level of activity in terms of what that individual is doing and that 
how active they are in the process, which we know is so important with intrinsic motivation, having autonomy, the, the ability to choose what they do. And this is an unexpected benefit I've seen. People were getting better more so with my virtual services because they couldn't just rely on coming to the session. Now they know there's limitations with just a screen and it's a good constraint. It's actually a good, there are, in business, there's actually certain constraints that are very good. When you're limited in your resources, you become more resourceful. So now people have to become more resourceful, more engaged. So if you're somebody out there that's using telehealth and you're a practitioner and you're wondering why it's not working, well, you want to ask yourself, why are you not engaging well through this channel? What's the holdup? And there are some things that are also, of course, on the con side. One of it is we actually don't produce as much oxytocin, an important hormone, when we're working virtually, which is a, a, an important hormone in terms of how it affects mood, connection, all those types of things, feelings. So from, from that perspective, an effective and emotional perspective, maybe it isn't as gauge, engaging. So that is something that should deserve attention in terms of how you utilize your, your services there. So one thing is overemphasizing your emotions, showing it really smiling, using those cheeks of yours, instead of just sitting there very Freud-like and just, hmm, that's tough for, to do for an hour. In person, you get a little more energy, a little more movement. You want to recreate that. And if you're on the other side, if you're, you're a, a client and you're getting these services and you're unengaged, let them know. <laughs> let them know. Can we, can we bump it up a notch? That's why you're there. I love that. When, when somebody tries to get more out of me, that's good because they care, first of all, and I see that. The worst you can do is just being indifferent for yourself. So expect more out of them if they're not engaging with you. I really think that's, that's an important, just another change in how we view things. You having more of an active role and going to the next topic, a little bit more confidence in terms of how you interact with your provider, the doctor. Ooh, I'm talking to the doctor. The doctor doesn't have much time. Well, you got to put your foot down. This is your life, not the doctor's life. It's just their job. This is your life. So it's your job. Okay. And I want to really encourage everybody. If you are thinking of different ideas and you want to, you don't know where to start. That is one of my favorite things to do mastermind these ideas. Reach out to me, Dave M. Meyer on Instagram. I'd love to hear from you. Dave Meyer at plperform.com. Hit up Hurricane, he'll let me know. So I look forward to hearing from all of you about this whole idea of how we can reimagine our healthcare system. Okay, shifting gears. Or you know what? Let's, let's jump into the question before we shift gears because there's a really good question and then we'll We'll finish off talking about confidence. Take a little quick sip of coffee. It's a little late here. All right. The question comes from Sabrina, 
and she asks, is there a place for pelvic health specialists in professional sports? Sabrina, great question. That's, I love when I see questions that are not asked before. That's something that's unique. And it's something that actually is very relevant to some of my work I did with the Cardinals. When I was working for the St. Louis Cardinals, we utilized a philosophy called DNS, Dynamic Neuromuscular Stabilization. So for you physios out there, physio students, rehab professionals, chiropractors, DNS is all about midline stability, proximal stability, or, or, or core stability, you could think of it as. Almost thinking about your midsection as a, an engine piston. And the more pressure you have there, the more stability you have throughout your limbs. And so the reason I bring this up is because a lot of injuries we saw in baseball were groin-related, sports hernias we'd see a lot of, oblique injuries, and all the other injuries of the body, the shoulders, the elbows, a lot of times we contribute to that to poor pelvic, lumbopelvic stability. Lumbo being lumbar spine, pelvic being your, your pelvis. So that connection there. And think about all the different joints that go in the lower back and the pelvis. There are so many. The pelvic bone is an irregular shaped bone, and it's got a lot of very specific idiosyncrasies that we need to res pay respect to. And when we think of the question being, is there a place for pelvic health specialists? Well, in this day and age, if you want to work in professional sports, it is so important to stand out because there are so many people that want to do it. And I think this doesn't have to be the only thing you do in professional sports, but if you have this under your belt, no pun intended, it could be a huge help understanding that region, just alone your anatomical understanding of the pelvis can allow you to help improve that control, the stability, even just simply learning, teaching an effective Kegel exercise to a male or a female, not just females. Men should be doing some form of pelvic strengthening as well. And so there's women's health and men's health and they're both, there's differences and plenty of similarities in terms of how we treat it. But this is a section of the body that is underrepresented and underserved in professional sports. Athletes do a great job at picking up heavy weights off the ground. We do a great job at the on-field element, the, the speed training. But I'll tell you right now, there's not as many clinicians out there teaching effective pelvic floor exercises. And with DNS, the philosophy I was talking about earlier, a lot of that with, with a DNS-based breath is linked to how we teach the athlete to utilize their pelvic muscles, how to activate them through the breath. Very important stuff. So if you're somebody that's looking to integrate an area you're interested in or you're developing in, I encourage you to, as Sabrina's even asking, to take that into the bigger picture. That's the beauty of reimagining our healthcare system. Niches kind of overlapping. This whole thing of staying in your lane was a concept I never liked in sports. Stay in your lane. You're the physical therapist, just deal with rehab. You're the strength coach, stay in the gym. You're the pitching coach, stay on the field. That's terrible. What kind of develop ha development happens there? Get out of your lane a little bit. Maybe don't do a 90 degree turn into the car next to you. That's not safe but maybe like put your blinker on and shift lanes a little bit with your profession in the sports world. 
that's hopefully that answers your question to some degree. I love to hear your feedback on it, Sabrina. So send me an email. I hope that helps. And thank you for the question. We look forward to more and Hurricane, keep on the lookout for some more there. Okay. So let's talk about confidence. Everybody should be listening in to confidence. I don't care if you're in athletics, if you're a parent of an athlete, if you're an athlete, if you're a 14 year old athlete, or you're a 90 year old master's athlete, confidence is key. So let's start out by a story. My former colleague with the St. Louis Cardinals, former Seattle Mariners major league pitching coach, now with the Atlanta Braves as their pitching coordinator, minor league pitching coordinator. I'd like to call him the smartest man in baseball and a really good friend of mine. We spent a lot of time together when I was with the Cardinals, Paul Davis. And something Paul Davis taught me about which was unexpected at the time, being that he was a pitching coach, was about psychology. And I'll never forget our first, my first year with the Cardinals in 2015, Paul was sharing with me some research he was looking into and, and some papers he was writing on positive psychological capital. Interesting, right? So we think of capital like an investment into a business or your, your financial resources in a business. He was teaching me about the psychological capital, the psychological resources, positive psychological resources that an athlete possesses. And so positive psychological capital is defined as the positive and developmental state of an individual as characterized by high self-efficacy, optimism, hope, and resiliency. How beautiful is that? It's amazing. It's so important. And efficacy, we should say, is related to confidence or almost synonymous with confidence, your ability to feel like you could do something, confidence with that skill or activity or sport. And finding the hero within, as Paul says. I love this. This is one of my favorite topics. And he, he found some studies that showed the athletes that were more successful, minor leaguers becoming big leaguers, minor leaguers becoming more su successful than other minor leaguers, they had increased positive psychological capital. And I think there's a man by the name of Marty Seligman out of UPenn, I believe. And we got a little background noise on that. We'll try and fix that. I apologize. And Marty Seligman talks about this whole idea behind positive psychology, really emerging, interesting area. And it's been around for a while. So, Let's start out by just acknowledging that even in professional sports, there's research on the importance of training these things. And just until recently, there wasn't a lot of mental skills training for athletes. Now, if you look at a lot of baseball teams, there's a lot of different resources players can have from mental skills coaches. In professional baseball, there's something called the Employee Assistance Program excuse me, or EAP. And just now, over the last few years, there's been a push to have more of these mental skills coaches that hopefully are, are doing more of this work on PSYCAP, as they say. And there's some teams that are leading the way with that for sure. The Blue Jays have an amazing staff. Um, the Cardinals have built up their staff since I've left in terms of their involvement with 
sports psychology, which I commend. And so let's talk about some of the direct implications of confidence, right? Why do we lack confidence, right? That's, that's one of the first things we should talk about. Why do we lack it? So I think one of the reasons we lack it is because we get a lot of input from others. We get a lot of people weighing in on how we should feel about us because we're social animals. So being that we're social animals, it's important for us to hear what others think, right? Feedback is important. But our belief in ourselves, I, this is one of my biggest things, is everything in terms of success. We must believe in ourselves. We don't get what we want, we get what we believe. You'll keep hearing me say that. So I think one of the reasons we lack it is it's, it's part of the human condition. We are so heavily dependent in our thinking, in our emotions on what others think about us. But what we, you know, what we, it's what we reflect. It's really what we reflect. And so we want to go within with confidence. And we'll talk about ways to increase it. And I also want this to be applicable for not only athletes and working with athletes, but also I want everybody to think about this in terms of your confidence in your profession, whether you're in healthcare or not. Confidence is a big thing. A lot of times we, we don't have it until we get further on in our career or we never find it and we struggle. And so it's that chicken or the egg of be confident first and then have success or have success and then gain your confidence. And we know it's very important to have your confidence up front. Very important. So let's talk about that inner shadow, I like to call it, our inner voice that sometimes gets in the way of our level of confidence. And it's it was inspired to me, this whole idea of inner shadows by an amazing book, one of my favorite books, if not my favorite book, written by Phil Stutz and Barry Michaels, two clinical psychologists. And the name of the book is The Tools. Amazing resource. They were two psychologists. They were very frustrated with the state of psychology and the Freudian psychodynamic approach, not being able to give their patients or their clients very actionable things instead of just talking about what did you feel when you were a child? Instead, giving them tools. So they really wanted to change that paradigm and, and empower their, their clients, their patients, just like I want to empower my clients with the physical side, the mental side, all of it. And one of the, one of the tools they teach is inner authority. So the way you think about this is the fear of public speaking, right? A lot of people fear this. This is actually, I, th I believe, don't quote me, I think this is rated higher than the fear of death is public speaking. I've heard that. I don't know if that's true or not or what the research is, but I've heard it enough for it to be somewhat true. <laughs> and it's crazy how many people out there really fear that so much and why? Confidence, inner shadow. And so they talk about becoming, befriending your inner shadow. And when I started doing a lot more work with students, I realized a lot of them were saying, well, the one thing that I feel like stands in my way of becoming this sports physical therapist or professional is my level of confidence because they don't have experience yet, or they weren't a great athlete maybe, or they're just shy. And if they wait for it, 
that's problematic because they're always going to be searching for the confidence to get them what they want. And so part of it is for me to get them to reconnect with their story and their inner shadow. And so with the inner shadow, the strategy in the book, the tools is very much thinking to what that inner child or inner shadow looks like. So for me, I've shared my height. I'm not tall. I'm five foot five. And I wasn't a great student. So for me, and I was shy, actually, funny enough. Now a radio show host and a podcaster, kind of ironic. But I actually liked to speak even when I was younger and I was comfortable. So it was very specific. And so I envision that younger little Dave. And I imagine myself in a situation where I'm feeling like I'm not being heard or maybe I don't feel like the client is is believing in what I'm saying, or I'm working with a really strong, big athlete. And, and I'm thinking, oh, this person is not going to have trust in me because I'm not their size. They're six foot five and they're some big athlete. And I become friends with that inner shadow. I put my arm around little Dave. You see how many video I'm doing it right here. Little Dave, it's okay. And it sounds silly, but it's really powerful because then you're able to kind of separate from it. You know, the whole Andy Potacomb of headspace, create that separation. Become friends with your inner shadow. That's the first. For me, that's one of the biggest steps with confidence. And I think there was a, it was about a week or two ago now that I shared some of my different steps to overcoming lack of confidence. And the first step, something you've heard me talk about, reconnecting with your story. Reconnecting with your story. And to reconnect with your story, what does that mean? Well, why are you pursuing what you're looking to do? Maybe it's to work in professional sports. Maybe it's to overcome an injury. Maybe it's to face a certain, another athlete you're competing against. Why are you doing that in the first place? Because if you look at it as just, this is, the stakes are pretty low, then it's easy to kind of just give in to the fear. But if you... Think about all the meaning behind what's brought you to that moment and all the things you've already overcame and, and what your story really is. It empowers you, David and Goliath-wise. You become superhuman. You feel superhuman because look at what you've overcome. So reconnect with your story. Number two, befriending your inner shadow. And shout out to the book, The Tools. And then three is gaining momentum and getting the low-lying fruit. And I talk a lot about this in my book, Injured to Elite, in terms of when you're overcoming a physical injury, whether it's an ankle sprain, a rotator cuff repair, a knee replacement or knee surgery, ACL reconstruction, a fractured bone, a lot of it is overcoming that initial inertia, really, and momentum. The world seems to be against you when you suffered a, a real traumatic physical experience. And it's tough sometimes to get your wheels going again, especially when you have fear of re-injury, you're not sure if you're going in the right direction. And so I encourage people, instead of just trying to heal yourself right away, get the low-lying fruit. For instance, if you have a shoulder injury or shoulder surgery, getting your just your overall physical fitness back up is so important. It could be simply going on a stationary bike getting your heart rate up, that's going to help your shoulder because that helps your overall recovery. It helps flow good things throughout your body. 
all the basic stuff, the fundamentals. And we forget about that low-lying fruit. Instead, we sometimes, we, as humans, we like to attack where it hurts, fix where it hurts. So with confidence, to get the momentum going, work on your strengths first. I think there's something to be said about putting the hardest things first, but there's also sometimes something to be said about getting working up to that a little bit, especially if you just find that you can't get started. So especially when you're in a situation where you feel shy or not confident, having the conversation with somebody where you're a little bit more comfortable maybe. Maybe you have the conversation with your professor first that you know pretty decently before you go out there and have the conversation with somebody you don't know. Now, I'm all about expanding outside your comfort zone, but these are just ways to kind of just slowly get you out of it. And I want to share another really awesome way to boost confidence that shout out to Sean O'Neill, one of the Injured to Elite Network members, one of the founding members, or I'd call our starting lineup, starting nine lineup, Sean O'Neill from Long Island. Sean's amazing. He's a mental skills coach through Brian Kane. Brian Kane actually is one of the biggest baseball mental performance certifications out there. He played with Matt Carpenter, who played for the Cardinals. I got a chance to meet, and I believe they played together at TCU. So anyway, Sean is really actually, beyond just being a mental performance coach, he's also a teacher. You can learn a lot from teachers. And he was a baseball coach himself, been around the game a long time. He was telling me about a confidence resume. And it's really interesting, this concept of creating your own confidence resume to boost it. And so you could just start by writing some of your strengths as an athlete. What have others complimented you on in your sport? For instance, your swing, follow through, your commitment to the sport, your determination, your ability to overcome team criticism. And what have you accomplished in your sport that makes you most proud? Maybe you dropped your handicap in golf, set a new time record. And I'm reading some of these. Sean sent me a really nice resource here. How would you describe your skills to others if you took the most positive stance possible? What can you say about your training that gives you confidence? What can you say about your commitment or work ethic in sports? And how are others supportive of your sport that helps you feel more confident? And the reason I love this, and I, I kind of work the same angle into my book, when you first get injured, I call it time zero. And I pose certain questions to ask yourself, just like the confidence resume does here. I think it's amazing to focus on some of these things that can get you thinking out of the dark hole of, I'm not good at any of this. There's probably something, even when you, even the worst player out there on this confidence resume is going to find that they're good at a few things. So this self-talk, having this self-dialogue, if we can change that from all the I'm not good enough. I don't have enough. I ain't going to make it to, oh, I've done. I, you know, I'm kind of quick, actually. I might not have a good bat. I don't have the best arm, but I'm, I'm fast. Or I made that one good play. Or at least, hey, I hustle hard. These are the types of things that we want to build up, especially for our children, our youth athletes. They should all be doing confidence resumes. Now, that's not to take away from self critique or good self-evaluation. It's very, self-awareness is huge. We're talking about individuals that are suffering from a lack of confidence that's affecting their performance. We're not talking about just blindly praising. 
right? They're, we want intention behind what we're doing. So if you want this confidence resume outline, be happy to share with it. Maybe I'll put it up as a, uh, a free resource and we'll, we'll get Sean to help out with that on the Injury to Elite Network. And if you don't know much about the Injury to Elite Network, head over to injuredtoelite.com forward slash network to learn more about it. We have a community of actually now we have about 20 members coming from all different walks of the profession around sports, whether physical therapist students, athletic trainers, current physical therapists, mental skills coaches, former collegiate and professional athletes, really across the spectrum, all with that same mission of changing the paradigm in healthcare and sports, coming together, really that whole new concept of kind of giving to each other in, in ways that we probably couldn't do for ourselves. And there's somebody out there that can fill in that blank instead of us just becoming the expert on everything. That doesn't make any sense. That's not human efficiency at its best. So check that out. Would love to have you a part of the family. We are sponsoring some new members that are having financial hardships for those that can contribute or make a donation. We're asking for $199 for the year. And I could promise you it is worth it if you can contribute. And if you can't, we would love to hear your story and see if, if it would be a good fit to sponsor you to come into the community. And we have our first meeting actually on Saturday. I'm super pumped about that. And hopefully today was insightful, two important concepts, the future of healthcare and confidence we are going to do a lot more of these solo kind of shows. And also we're going to bring on curated guests. We actually have one coming up on the 25th with a dentist, believe it or not, that has changed the game in terms of a device he has for the mouth. And I have a, a friend of mine and a colleague and somebody was that, that was on the pod, my Injured to Elite podcast, changed his life actually and helped his hip out from his mouth. So that, it's going to be really cool to interview him, Dr. Lau. And we're going to be going live Tuesdays, Thursdays, Tuesday, 9.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, Thursday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We look forward to more of these. Today is going to be a little bit of a shorter episode for 45 minutes. And I'm sure you all are winding down on the East Coast here, so it's perfect timing. Head over to Instagram and follow me at Dave M. Meyer. And download the iHealth Radio app if you haven't yet. Would love to get your feedback on the Facebook actual video feed that we see here, the YouTube feed, iHealth Radio on, on, uh, on YouTube as well. You should be subscribing to if you want to get the live alerts. And then check out my personal podcast, Injured to Elite. You can just check out drdavidmeyer.com. Send me an email, davemmeyer at plperform.com. This has been a blast. Hurricane, thank you again. I'm looking forward to the next one. So I'll talk to you again on Tuesday at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And keep the questions coming in. It's been an absolute pleasure. My name's David Meyer, and I hope to see you come back next time. Thanks, everybody, and have a great rest of your night.